It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. On today's show, I try to keep my voice down to prevent waking my sleeping children while I also tell you why the Vikings are or are not frauds. Hi, this is Arif from Pro Football Network. I will try to be as loud as possible so that I can make Luke Braun, my spouse, I guess, feel as bad as possible. And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and I'm just wondering when Arif is going to start charging me rent for all that space I take up in his head. The first time viewers are so confused and a little alarmed right now. It's the Minnesota football party. <laughs> Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Welcome in to the Minnesota football party on a Thursday. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined by Arif Asana, Pro Football Network, and Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings and the Lockdown Vikings postcast. Luke Inman, again on vacation. Hey, those, those vacay days don't carry over. Can't blame them a bit. On today's show, we talk about the Vikings' precarious depth at cornerback, keys to victory against the Detroit Lions, the various scenarios of how this season could play out down the stretch, and, of course, Ron Johnson will join us early in the show this week uh, to get his take on everything. We also will uh, make our gambling picks, and we have a new leader this week. Uh, we'll explain more about that later on in the show. And, again, you can uh, find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms. And if you're listening to us, you can watch us on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe there, see what we look like, uh, leave a comment, and uh, tell us what you think. Gentlemen, there's five games left in the season. I, I would say that we are in the home stretch. I mean, we're in December, final month of the season, five games to go. This is the home stretch. There are a lot of ways this could go. Um, the Vikings could turn themselves into a realistic Super Bowl contender. They could continue plodding along week to week, and we could have the argument every week whether they are frauds or not, or the bottom could fall out. That's option number three. So one, two, or three. One, Super Bowl contender. Two, more of the same. Three, um, bottom falls out. What's the likeliest outcome in the final five games for the Vikings? Arif, we'll start with you. Uh, it kind of depends on, on what those look like to you because, uh, as Luke pointed out, they are almost regression-proof. Right At this point, they have built up such a lead in the division race and in the NFC just kind of generally that it'll be very difficult for them to even fall to the third seed, uh, much less, you know, the fourth seed or anything like that. So uh, certainly, you know, the bottom can't fall out in, in the sense that they'll lose the opportunity to play a home game uh, in the playoffs, at least one of them. The question, of course, is 
how we feel about the team heading into the playoffs, I think. It's the only way the bottom could fall out is that they play so poorly in the next five games that, you know, it, it robs Vikings fans of confidence, which actually I don't think it would take that much just because of the Vikings history of robbing their fans of confidence. I think that, you know, basically that kind of hope is on a hair trigger. Well, I, I'm not wrong, right? Uh, so, what they do best. Yeah. I mean, and, and hey, if you wanted to inject some some optimism into that potential scenario, the Rams did the same thing and ended up winning the whole thing, right? Their their last five games were brutal. Um, so, you know, that's something to kind of keep in mind. But I think the most likely scenario is probably more of the same, right? Because when we talk about regression, it does not work like uh, the gambler's fallacy, right? It doesn't work like, you know, they're due for losses. It works as if they will play at an average rate for the rest of the season. And if they go 3-2 or 2-3 in these final games, the Vikings will be 13 and whatever or 12 and whatever, right? Like, that's fine. I don't think anyone would be really upset with a 12 and whatever team uh, in, in the playoffs, especially if they've got nothing to play for. You can, you can always make an excuse saying, hey, the Vikings can't change their seed in the final four games of the season, so they don't have to play for anything. So I am not going to take these bad results poorly. And honestly, that's actually kind of a fair approach. So um, I don't think the bottom will fall out. I don't think that they'll prove that they're Super Bowl contenders. I think that if we were going to see the offense get a little bit better, we would have seen it by now. But I, I think we're going to see a little bit more of the same. Yeah, Braun, I like to draw comparisons between Vikings teams of the past. Last episode, it was sort of the 2019 team. Uh, I think the 2015 team is interesting as well because they were, you could say, fraudulent for a lot of that year. And maybe they always were. But the way they ended that season, I think, actually sent fans into the playoffs with a lot of confidence. Because if you remember... They yeah. crushed they the, the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Uh, they they hung the like Giants. 38 points on the Bears, 49 on the Giants, and killed a couple teams. And then they grinded out a road win at Green Bay, which was very difficult. I think the next three games could actually be, be pretty important in that regard. Because if they're going to kill teams, they have to do it the next three weeks in a dome. I don't know if they're going to kill Green Bay or Chicago in January on the road. That's just really hard to do. Their defense would have to step up. Um, so if they want to make an offensive statement like that, I think it's got to happen in the next three games. Yeah, and like, they, it kind of doesn't matter because there's definitely people that even if they blow out a bunch of teams down the stretch, you could kind of dismiss all these teams. Like, man, the Lions, they got swept by the Vikings. Are they even good? And like that logic comes in sometimes. <laughs> and like, well, so you know, the Vikings beat the Lions. The Vikings already beat the Lions. How could they be good? <laughs> <laughs> right like the bills they lost to the vikings all right are they even good so like you can dismiss you can dismiss all those games going down all these teams going down the stretch if the vikings win but if the vikings lose then it's this big cause for alarm or whatever but like Arif pointed out like in the standings it's kind of they're locked into the two seed maybe the three seed they're going to be playing at home in the playoffs at least the first round but i think you could even go further you could get all the way into the NFC Championship game and still be like, are these guys real? They only beat Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy in the playoffs. Are you sure they're real? They had home oh, playoff I'm, games against I'm Daniel Jones. I am ready for that. I am ready. Like Taylor Heineke in the wild card Keenan, round. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you sure? Like, we could go all the way and just not believe in them. And it's like at a certain point. They, they could be in the Super Bowl, and I'd be like, I don't know if this team is real, man. Yeah. <laughs> like they cut the Eagles a on a point, bad day in the championship game. That's the only game that mattered. <laughs> <laughs> and and once you get into the playoffs, it's like yeah, exactly. Once you get into the playoffs, it's a one it's a one game, one season or one game season now. 
and the idea of like regression and how can they keep doing it? Like everything zeroes oh, yeah. out and it's all zero zero and it and it kind of is yeah. like, well, I don't know if they regress and they lose, then yeah, if they don't regress, they could still lose. And did they regress or did was it just a single elimination? And it's like th this whole thing is going to kind of it it ran out of time to start mat mattering. <laughs> so for me, the bottom falling out is like a major injury or something that tells us, man, these guys are going to be like doomed in the playoffs. Um, but I think the the more likely thing is, I don't know, they'll win some, lose some down the stretch, I guess, maybe it, on the road in the divisions, always hard, no matter who they are. And uh, then they'll just it'll go into the playoffs. We'll see who they play. And from there, kind of everything we already knew is going to zero out because it's all just one game. I, I think the, the realistic path, the number two path, um, is probably that there are some cracks in the foundation, but that the bottom does not fall out. They end up with 13 or 14 wins and maybe have a meaningless game at the end where the result doesn't matter. Um, there's a very good yeah. chance that the two seed will be locked up. San Francisco now with Purdy is going to have a really tough time catching the Vikings. They would have to run the table. Vikings would have to lose two. Um, and that seems pretty unlikely. So I think Minnesota's probably a two seed. They probably get to rest guys on January 8th, which is a, that's a good situation to be in. You don't want to have to win that Bears game, even though they're the worst team in the NFC. That still feels like a treacherous game when the Bears, Bears on the road, are, buddy. Bears on the road. Soldier Field, Rollins, baby. Soldier Field. <laughs> uh, if Justin Fields, Fields plays, then it is very scary. But um, I, I don't know if, there's really a bottom falling out path sans losing your final five. Um, and if that happens, it probably means your quarterback has completely lost his mind. And before we continue, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for NFL, NBA, college football, college basketball, and if you love sports podcasts, they have those as well. You can get your betting fix at betonline.net, and you can check out that Vikings-Lions line that so many people are enraged about. The Vikings are two-point underdogs in the game. 52.5 is the over-under. You can track that line movement and plenty more at betonline.net, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. Just go to Indeed.com podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And I asked Reggie Wilson on Superior Sports Talk this morning, like when aliens take over the earth and they look at the 2022 Vikings, because they're trying to figure out what sports looks like on this new planet. Um, and they're asking they you, should look did, did this Kirk Cousins guy have a good season? Because his stats don't seem very good. Uh, what would you tell him? Arif, what would you tell the aliens? Uh, find another sport. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I would say that Kirk Cousins should aliens be play basketball. We've all seen Space Jam. Yeah, no, yeah, this is that's clearly what happens. I mean, it's just going to be tough to fill out a whole roster with you know the aliens that can fit on a spaceship. Twenty two, that's tough. Um, mm -hmm. Plus, one of them's going to have to kick. Ugh, rough. Um, so uh, I I think that you could say that Kirk Cousins should be proud of his season, but whether or not he stacks up against the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL, I don't think he demonstrated that. And so in that regard. No, you know, he didn't have a good season in terms of figuring out who a good quarterback is.
but his goal is to win games. We can evaluate quarterbacks, right? We want to judge quarterbacks beyond wins and losses, right? He should not do that. He should evaluate himself on wins and losses. That's just how it works. Uh, so he could be proud of his season, but I don't think that he stacks up against elite quarterbacks. Um, and I think that the season so far has demonstrated that. Break him down on like the traits on, you know, how accurate was he? Well, that was spottier than before, but how aggressive was he? He was way more aggressive. How creative and improvisational was he? Well, that got better in a very good way. how to scout? Well, yeah. They're trying to figure out football, right? <laughs> Are you not? Dive in. Dive in. Also they probably have way at more reef. advanced intelligence. I bet they could make a great <laughs> scout. Well, okay, so humans have two eyes, but they can look at one thing. The eyes only give us depth perception. If the aliens have multiple eyes, that... That just gives them more depth perception, maybe a better geospatial awareness, maybe, but they're looking at a flat screen. It doesn't matter. I don't know, man. Not necessarily the aliens just probably have a different right? type of intelligence. They could watch like what's going know. on at both ends. I feel like there's potential here. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, let's ask Ron Johnson what he thinks about the alien question. Let's see who was lucky enough to get invited to today's party. It's time to meet our guest of honor. He's a Thursday regular. His name's Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and the Roundtable on Fridays at 3 Ron Johnson on Twitter. Uh, Ron, I'd like to ask the bizarre questions right out of the gate. When aliens take over and they are looking at our sports stats and they, they ask us humans, did Kirk Cousins have a good season in 2022? Because his stats don't look very good. Was it a good season or not? What are you going to tell the aliens? I'm not telling them nothing. Like, I'm not even going to be here. Like, that's the difference. Like, that's the big difference, man. Like, if you go back in all those movies, there's usually one black person that stays around, and that's Will Smith. Everybody else is gone. So I'm not Will Smith in this situation. So he can stick around with that flashy thing, or he can be in Independence Day. But it's always Will Smith. Will Smith is here to smack yeah. the aliens and make sure they keep – his wife's uh, name out their mouth. Like, I guarantee you, if they say Jada Pickett, they're going to get smacked in the mouth. So, I'm not going to be here. Ask Will Smith. Ask Will Smith about that. The no aliens idea. will be debating Kirk Cousins for generations, just like yeah, we well, so, are. It's, so, so long as they're not line steppers. So long as they're not line steppers. I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave some notes say. for Will Smith, and uh, Will Smith can relate <laughs> us to the aliens. Uh, the Kirk Cousins had a good season if Kirk Cousins was named Tom Brady and divorced Giselle he'd be going up for the MVP right now with a 10 and 2 team he would be up for the MVP Tom Brady just came back and won a game and they're giving they want to give him the MVP after that like being down to the Saints and finding a way to win in the fourth quarter and people talk about oh you can't let the Crypt Keeper stay around because you know what happens you, you open that grave up Anybody can die. Be like Tom Brady can kill anybody at this point. Don't let the Crypt Keeper get loose. Like Tom Brady had one good comeback. Come on. I think Kirk Cousins has had what five comeback victories? Nothing. But Tom Brady has to come back against the Saints. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Like you don't give Tom Brady any life. Hey, so that's what the aliens be discussing. If, if, if Kirk Cousins was Tom Brady, <laughs> hey, I guarantee this: Kirk Cousins with his shirt off. Tell the aliens that Kirk Cousins with his shirt off versus Tom Brady with his shirt off. We can go back to that Michigan picture. Kirk Cousins over every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cousins has it. And and I think yeah. following the Brady diet, too, to a little bit, right? So he's doing it better than Brady. Oh. Yeah, Kevin Kirk, Kirk Cousins doesn't do the avocado tequila. He just does avocado on toast. That's the big difference. <laughs>
All right, Ron, let's move ahead to this Lions game. Uh, Lions have won four out of five, and they've kind of mm-hmm. done it in different ways. They've won with their defense. They've had come-from-behind victories. They had an offensive explosion against Jacksonville. Uh, is there anything that would concern you about this game most going into Sunday? Uh, the only thing that concerns me, to be honest, is that the amount of scoring can the Vikings uh, defense, can their defense do enough? And I'm going to post a video today. I haven't done it yet. I saw it last night. And uh, Mike Pettin was a part of this, and it's called Control Chaos on the defense. The Baltimore Ravens, I think, have seven guys standing up at the line of scrimmage and only four rush, and then one guy rushes late. But the fact that they're all standing up, they're all moving around, uh, I think it was the Packers. I forgot. I think it was the Packers, I'm pretty sure, or Steelers. It might have been Steelers. And they tattooed. Uh, Roethlisberger. Now, the difference was he got hit in the chest and they threw the flag saying it was unnecessary roughness because he's old and you can't touch old people that that hard. But when you look at that defense and the fact that they were able to get home, not with any special, like, rush guy, not with any, like, I mean, Terrell Suggs is on that team on this video, but nothing crazy, nothing out there like, oh, my goodness, these guys are such It's just confusing the offensive linemen. Like, you're going to take this lane, you take this gap, you take this gap, and you take this gap, but I want you guys to line up here and move around, and then at the snap, go to where you're supposed to get to. The biggest difference with that, one, it's a passing down for sure, so so they knew Roethlisberger was going to pass. But when you have a guy like Jared Goff that can't run, that's what I hope to see. That's the only thing that, that concerns me is that if they don't rush the quarterback enough, you're going to give Jared Goff time to just sit back there and find receiver after receiver, and then you're going to have to go back and forth, Kirk Cousins versus Jared Goff. I'm going to take Kirk Cousins in that matchup, but that's the only thing that concerns me is like how often is he going to blitz? That's one thing I'm going to be keeping account on is how many tricky looks does the upfront look give you and how many times do they actually truly blitz, which is one more rusher than what the offensive line can handle. We'll see. Bron, what do you got? So Kevin O'Connell's kind of poo-pooed the stakes of this, and everybody knows this is a chance to outright directly clinch the division, beat the Lions, knock them out, we win the North. Um, and Kevin O'Connell's kind of said, "Oh no, it's hold up, hold up, hold up." What, 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 what did you start off with? Poo-pooed the stakes? What did you say? Yeah, he's he's just he's like put it down, you know? Nah, no, poo-poo it. Poo-poo? You ever heard that? What is? No, I've never heard that. No. Poo-pooed the stakes. I've never heard that. <laughs> Okay. You, you'll, you'll have to excuse Luke Braun. He's 16. <laughs> no, I've only, I've I get what you're saying, say Braun. I understand. Yeah, it's no, not related yeah, to like steaks on a grill. Like, poo-poo. yeah, he, he is, he is he's, downplayed how important this game is. Okay. Thank you, yes. Arif. Yeah. So <laughs> my question is, do I'm you a, believe him? Every time Luke starts to talk, I'm going to just go to Arif for like, like the same way Antonio Brown's Twitter has like a, uh, an Antonio Brown translator. Like when AB tweets up and then the translate and tweet, tra- like every time Luke goes, then I need a reef to translate and then I can go. All right, let's go. What you got, Luke? <laughs> so do you believe him? Because I don't believe him. I think they're going to come out like this is a game for the division. Like this is a conference championship in college kind of game. But he's been trying to downplay it in the media. I wonder if you, you got a beat on it. You've been in the facility. Do you believe him? Yeah, I, I do. Because if you think about PJ Fleck um, and, and Kevin O'Connell, comes from the Sean McVay tree. And so P.J. Fleck uh, spent a lot of time in L.A. If you look back to P.J. Fleck early on, he would spend off seasons, I think, twice in L.A. with Sean McVay, learning from Sean McVay. And not to say he didn't already have this, but P. 
PJ always says, I learned from different coaches. And, and the way he got from Sean McVay was each game is his own championship season. So each game, this is the game I'm worried about. I'm not worried about last week. I'm not worried about the next week coming up. This is our championship season. So I truly believe Kevin O'Connell is looking at this. This is the, the zero and zero Detroit Lions championship season. Like this is one game. Let's worry about this one game. We don't need to worry about the implications. We handle our business. It'll take care of itself. And, and I think that's not more so for the media. It's for his team. Because if he gets up on the stage and he's like, yeah, we got to win this game because then we can clinch the North. Who really cares about clinching the North this early other than the fans? Like the fans want to sit back and be like, okay, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, I can buy tickets for the next home game. And I can get my, you know, I don't need to take a vacation. Uh, I can wait to February 1st. So, you know, like he doesn't want the players to do that. He wants the players to worry about this game and this game only. Because if you put all your eggs into this basket of like, we have to win this game and this is the, the, and if you lose, now you've let all kinds of doubt creep in. Like, oh, I can't believe we lost the North. Like, no, it's one game because what's going to happen? You get to turn around and play, play the Giants. You get to turn around and play the Colts. You play the Packers and the Bears. The Lions have five games as well. If they lose one of those, the division is yours. So I, I truly believe it's not just trying to, as you would say, poo-poo the stakes. Um, but, but I do believe they're trying to, uh, like, he's just trying to, like, keep it realistic. Like, hey, guys, like, don't go out there and overdo it because you don't want a guy like TJ Hawkinson, uh, you know, overdoing it. You don't want a guy like Kirk Cousins thinking, like, everything's on the line. I got to make every single throw. No, let's play our game. Do what we do. If we're down by 10, we've come back and won eight times. Just do what we do. All right. Um, you know, the constant discussion, and, and I remember asking this early in the season and you being a little bit insulted by my question, which fair enough, but the constant discussion surrounding the Vikings is, are they real, right? Let's throw that yep. away. The Lions have won four of their last five, right? Mm -hmm. They are favored in this game. Are they real? Um. Yes, I would say they are real. And this is yeah. why I say that. Uh, we had Braylon Edwards on earlier this week. And he talked about the Lions, whereas uh, Eric Coleman, former uh, Lion as well, and Jet. And he bought up, both of them bought up, like Detroit. And I know this, I'm from Detroit. Detroit is a blue-collar town. And so what you have is you had an ownership who didn't believe in Jim Caldwell, probably because of the color of his skin. If Jim Caldwell, I, I hate to say it, if Jim Caldwell was white, you're right. and he took the team to the playoffs uh, twice, you know, had two winning seasons, I think they would have been like, oh, my goodness, here's our savior. The fact that you only give this guy four years after going to the playoffs twice, he's had the best span of the coaches that they've had since. And so when you look mm -hmm. at that, Jim Caldwell didn't really – like he was a ton, Tony Dungy. He was a quiet guy. Uh, he went about his business every day. Um, and Dan Campbell is a loud guy. And this is what I always say, and I love the Denzel Washington uh, quote from American Gangster. Just because the guy wearing the chinchilla and the loudest guy in the room doesn't mean that's the guy getting it done. Look at the guy who's not doing anything. Like I always tell people this, if you look at Warren Buffett, you can't tell me what outfit he has on and what it's worth. But the dude is a billionaire. He's getting it done. But then you see guys out here making $1,000 and they're going to spend 990 of it on their clothes to make sure you know this is balenciaga and they can't even spell balenciaga without looking at it like that's that's the whole problem with you know you, you look at you look at what is it young gravy young gravy 
has not gone platinum, but he's wearing gold chains, doing all the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what today's society is loud and proud. And I got to let you know how good I am. I got to let you know, like, look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield wanted to be the loudest guy in the room. He wanted to dance and try to show everybody he's cool. And then when he sucks, now what's going on? But then you look at a guy over with the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the Browns, and I forget, who's the quarterback for the Browns when Deshaun Watson was out? Jacoby Brissett. Brissett. Jacoby Brissett quietly, quietly took care of business and just went about his day. He didn't get up on the podium every day and tell everybody what he was doing. He didn't let everybody know how good he was doing. Like, that's the difference. And so when I look at Dan Campbell, are they real? Yeah. Uh, is he a little bit too, like, uh, early on? Yeah, the kneecaps and all that stuff. But now you notice he hasn't said anything. He hasn't said kneecaps. He hasn't said we're going to beat people up because he's realizing, you know what? I don't need to say all that. Let's let the play play do what it does, and then it'll speak for itself. I don't need to speak anymore. So I think Dan Campbell has learned. I don't need to be a verbiage gimmick guy. I need to be a blue-collar, hard-nosed, shut-my-mouth-and-go-out-here-and-play-football guy. And I think that's why I say they're real, because I think now he's realizing, okay, you know what? Let's just stay quiet. Let's just do what we do, and let's see what happens. Let the chips fall where they may. If we get to the playoffs, we don't. Uh, we do, sorry. And if we don't, we don't. And then next year we move on. We're going to have some good draft picks. We got the Rams picks because they suck. Hey, the Lions, man. They And the Packers, if, if Aaron Rodgers comes back or doesn't, either way, I just think they're going to be down. And if he doesn't come back, they're definitely down. So the Lions and the Vikings, I think it could be their division for the next couple of years, depending on what the Vikings do at quarterback. Yeah. Did not we had Matt Derry. a young gravy Dan uh. Campbell comparison on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Outstanding. The Well, I could have said Young Lions Gravy host. and uh what's his name? Zach Wilson. They they are about the same. They both date old chicks. I mean Yeah, it was about that, to that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Young Gravy performed at a Vikings game, right? Yep, he sure did. Yeah. That's the only reason why wow. he was the top of my mind because I saw I started looking up like the way he carries himself. And he doesn't do a ton of stuff, but he does do the gold chains and all the other stuff. And you know, uh, I think he was trying does. to whisper sweet nothings to uh what's her name? Uh, Addison Ray, the the TikTok girl's mom, and you know, hey, that's his thing. <laughs> hmm. Get in so he is like Zach man. Wilson. Um, <laughs> he is. Oh no, legit. He's Zach Wilson. Except for he's yeah. more. He he puts it. He's willing to take pictures and put it out there. Yeah, he took her to the uh to the chill the cho the whatever kids' choice awards. Like he took Addison Ray's mom to the kids' choice awards. Like that's winning. Took her out. Man, that's winning. Oh yeah, sure. Wow. I want to just keep asking about Young Gravy, but I, I did also want to ask you about the Vikings cornerback depth. That's about as interesting. Yeah. Ron, now that they've lost, Caleb Evans, a guy that, that you're mm -hmm. fond of, Andrew Booth is obviously out as well for the year. Uh, Cam Dantzler suddenly becomes extremely important. It looks like mm -hmm. they're getting him back on Sunday. Um, are the Vikings' you know, secondary hopes resting on Cam Dantzler's health now that he is kind of the only guy along with Duke Shelley. Don't want to forget about Duke Shelley, but mm -hmm. Dantzler's it. I mean, they got to roll with this guy now. Uh, how do you think that's going to go? Well, it was a lower leg injury. Uh, we all saw the injury happen. Um, so it's going to be pain management. It's going to be trust in the injury. Like, am I, it might hurt a little bit, a little twinge, but am I healthy? Uh, we talk about this all the time, the mental side of injuries. When you come out of one, you know, do you trust that your body can still get it done? Because re-injury sometimes is easier than the original injury because it's just, it's susceptible at that point. Cause you've been, 
uh, kind of babying it a little bit. You've been rehabbing it. You've been trying to stay off of it. And now you're asking your body to just perform. So, yeah, the, 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 the world of the DBs does rest on him. Uh, I would personally say start off with Duke Shelley. See what you get out of him. See if you can work dancer in there every once in a while. But don't rely heavily on him early because, again, if you know for a fact, like at this point, 98, I think they're in the 98% range right now of making the playoffs. Like there's like a small, small chance they don't, but 98% chance they make the playoffs. If you look at that, I don't see the the reason of like forcing him out there if he doesn't need to. Like if you can get through some of this these games with Duke Shelley, I'd say do it, but have him dress, have him ready to go, have him warm up, have him run around, uh, maybe get him in there a little bit. But I would, I'd say I would not put him on special teams. I wouldn't put him in, in harm's way if I don't have to. So, yeah, but yeah, it is definitely, it's important that he plays. Yeah. I like Duke Shelley a lot. Um, time for a couple more questions. Luke Braun, anything else for Ron Johnson? I was going to ask about Jamison Williams. What do you think we're going to see out of him? We kind of don't know because he was so like only a little bit worked in last week. And do you think that this is when he breaks out or is he going to have to wait till next year because he missed so much of the early part? Uh, I think it's going to be the team that gives him a chance to break out. Like, it's not like he's walking on the field and people are like, who is this kid? Everybody knows who he is. He was a first-round pick. So um, it's going to be up to what the Lions use him for. You look at the Alabama offense and what they did. They did a lot of shift motion stuff where he'd end up in the slot or he'd end up motioning outside the receiver. Then he run like a deep over. He run like a jitterbug route where he kind of runs out and back in and then sits down in the middle of the field. Like, he did a lot for Alabama. Uh, I don't know if the Lions offensive line can do it. Like Alabama's offensive line was an NFL offensive line. And so I don't know if – and better than the Lions probably other than Frank Ragnow. Um, so I don't know if the Lions uh, – and, and, um, and what's his name too, the other guy? Um, Pene Sewell. And so when you look at uh, what the Lions offense can be, uh, it that's going to dictate what he can do. But I, I definitely think you're going to see him on some shallow routes. You're going to see him on some quick hitter stuff in the slot. Uh, I don't think they're, you know, again, they they have Amara St. Brown, uh, so they don't have to, like, overuse them. Because, uh, again, that's another mental uh, – ACL is a mental injury. Can I trust my knee to do what it's supposed to do? He got one game under his belt. Uh, but I, I definitely see them going four wides and, and trying to see if he gets a favorable matchup. Because, again, they – just like everybody else knows, they know the Vikings are thin at DB. So go at their weakness, which is let's put four wides out there and see how they cover it with, you know – five or six DBs if they can even get that many to dress. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, when you take a look at, you know, somebody like Jared Goff's career trajectory, right? You know, he was mm -hmm. with Jeff Fisher, did not do very well. And I think you could fairly say that a lot of that just had to do with Fisher. He was with McVay. McVay turns him into a star quarterback, maybe. Kind of depends on how you want to interpret his career there. Uh, mm -hmm. Ends up cratering a little bit at the end, gets traded to the Lions. And that first year with the Lions obviously wasn't great. Right now, he's playing efficient football. Not throwing it deep very often, although there was that nice throw to DJ Chark, right? Mm -hmm. But it is efficient football. What, what do you take away from the way Jared Goff's career has gone? It's, it's not a normal correct uh, trajectory. Yeah, so I will say this. Sean McVay, people underestimate what Sean McVay can do before the snap. And and if you you heard people talk about what he's going to do with Baker Mayfield, uh, the fact that as long as the quarterback keeps a loose huddle and he's not huddled up, or sorry, he's not to the line of scrimmage, he's in a loose huddle, the coach's mic is on up until I think about 15 seconds or what, 15 I forgot seconds, whatever the yeah. clock. 
Uh, so he can talk him through all the way up to that 15-second mark. As long as there's a loose huddle in the center and everybody's not at the line of scrimmage where he can't like, hey, watch this blitz. Watch like He can talk him through the play. And so he helped Jared Goff a ton with that, which he's going to do with Baker Mayfield if he decides to play him this week or next week. Um, and so in the Lions scheme, I think that's the problem is when, when you do so much of that with the quarterback and then you still don't get what the production you thought you should get, I think that's where the Matthew Stafford piece came in. They're like, man, we're giving this guy, we're spoon feeding this guy everything. We get into the Super Bowl. Um, and I think the, another part of that too, man, the Rams, I think, looked a gift horse in the mouth. Like, you got to a Super Bowl and you're still not happy? Like, the Vikings would love to get to a Super Bowl right now with any quarterback. I don't care who it is. And so the fact that they got there and they still weren't happy just shows that, and they turned around and won it with Matthew Stafford. Um, but when you look at with the Lions, they just don't have the guy to do that, I think, for Jared Goff. So that's why it's taken him a little bit more time to grow and learn. Uh, look at Kurt Warner. Early on, Kurt Warner, could, and I'm not saying this guy is Kurt Warner, but just look at where Kurt Warner was mentally early on, couldn't get it done, learns, grows, arena football, so on and so forth, takes time to, you know, live life, comes back, boom, mental mindset, just completely different. So sometimes it does take a little bit of growth and maturity to get it done and get it going. Uh, look at Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers played early, that's why he should be thanking Brett Favre to this day. If he had to play early, I think he has a similar Andrew Luck, RG3 type of career where he starts out really, really well probably and then eventually starts to like the game catches up to him. He got to learn how to play fast and get to sit for four years and learn the game. And I think so many people take that for granted of like, if a quarterback you know you're going to keep and he's your future, sitting back is not a bad thing. Sitting back and waiting is not a bad thing. So I think that's the other part of this. Ron, always good stuff. Appreciate your time. You can find him on the Ron Johnson Show, at 3 Ron Johnson on Twitter, roundtable tomorrow. Ron, thanks a lot. Have a good day, man. Appreciate it. Um, before we continue, uh, we want to talk some keys to this Detroit game. We've also got our nerdy stat of the day. Let me tell the good folks about Built Bar. Yes, Built Bar is extraordinary, and they're constantly reimagining flavors. They're so creative. We had a big shipment of them at the Lockdown Retreat last week, and some of the flavors are just delectable. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, and a couple nice little holiday touches here. White chocolate peppermint granola and candy cane brownie puff. It's like a Christmassy, minty s'more. Oh, it's so good. And it's 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low calorie count, 130 calories. That's it. It's magical. I don't know how they do it, but you got to try these new wonderful built bars. And you can do so at 15% off by using the code LOCKEDON15 right now at built.com. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Time now for the segment that everybody loves. It's our nerdy stat of the day. Let's do it. Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. Yes, indeed. We go to our nerdiest stats in the back of our notebook. Uh, Arif Hassan and Luke Braun, both so analytically minded, they're going to give us some good material. Arif Hassan, kick us off. Sure. Uh, so one of the things that interests me about the Lions is they've got a remarkable front four, especially when they're healthy, uh, and have the ability to, to 
bring a lot of pressure. But despite that, they're one of the top blitzing teams in the league. They've blitzed a little bit less the past couple of weeks, but they're still top seven in blitz rate. They blitz at a 33% clip. Kirk Cousins gets blitzed about an average amount over the course of the season, but he has done really poorly this year against the Blitz. It first caught my attention because of PFF Moo, otherwise known as Timo Risk. He talked about how the Vikings are really poor against the Blitz, so I investigated this a little bit. Um, when Kirk Cousins is blitzed, he, ha he ranks 34th in the NFL out of 35 Ooh. in yards per attempt against the Blitz. 35th, Carson Wentz. So if I set that minimum attempt pass threshold a little bit higher, he would be dead last. I also wanted to take a look at, because sometimes, you know, pass, you know, yards per attempt is not that important. If you're getting blitzed on third and two and you get three yards, you're fine, right? So I looked at first downs per attempt, right? And from there, I also saw something that was pretty alarming. A first down rate of around 29%. Let me get the exact 29.4% below him. So he ranks 33rd of 35 below him are just Justin Fields and Baker Mayfield. That is really alarming stuff. Um, try to figure out why that is. Don't know. The Vikings are aware of this problem. They've been aware of this problem for um, a while now, but this is not typical Kirk Cousins. He has typically done much, much better against the Blitz, despite what his reputation is. So that's something to watch out for. The Lions like to Blitz. They do like man coverage a little bit. We saw how they smothered Justin Jefferson in that first matchup. It is something to keep in mind. Hmm. Is it because Kirk Cousins is now too eager to run with the ball when he gets blitzed because he's been so good at running lately? Maybe he forgot One to get hope. into his reads. Yeah. <laughs> Braun? Yeah. Uh, two, two and a half rushing yards on bet online. Get in on it. Uh, is it? That's so good. It's always like yeah, you, you two, and three, four and Rushing half. overs, man. Quarterback rushing overs. I love it. It's They hit all the time. Um, so I wanted to look into the – you know, 9-0 in one-score games, it's been the whole deal, right? And I wanted to look into something a little bit more um, deep about the, the, like, texture of these games, the, like, mood of these games. Because, look, they when some of these games they won by eight, some of these games were like Buffalo where they barely eked it out, right? Um, so I wanted to look at the win probability charts. I took all this from Number Fire and just look at how dire was this at its worst moment. And for some games like Buffalo, they had a hundredth of a percent of a chance to win that game for number fire at the moment when Josh Allen fumbled when they were supposed to be just doing the QB sneak. Um, but some of these games didn't get that dire at all. Miami, the worst it got was 48.77%. It like barely dipped below 50% at one point, and then the game kind of ran away. And even though that ended up as an eight score or as an eight point win, the final touchdown that brought the Dolphins within eight points, win probability didn't even register it because it came so late in the game. Um, and in fact, four of those nine games never dipped below 40, and only three of them ever dipped below 33% win probability. Some of these games, it's sort of a back-of-the-napkin way to do like game script, but I don't have a way to get game script. I know, Arif, you do, so maybe you can find it. But um, yeah, just some of these... Yeah, some of these uh, one-score games are, like, they're not all like the Buffalo game or I think the Washington game was like it, where it was a super, like, back and forth. Some of these have been more convincing wins than you would imply when you say, ah, they just kind of, like, are barely eking all, like, they didn't barely eke out the games against mm -hmm. Dolphins or the Cardinals. You can dismiss those for other reasons, like strength of competition. Um, but it, th there's a lot more variety to those games than you can get by saying, ah, you know, nine and zero in one score games, they're one, two and nine functionally. Yeah. It's kind of similar yeah. to last year when the Vikings had 15 mm -hmm. one score games, right. 
and at least three or four of them were backdoor one score games. I, I remember the Chicago Bears yeah. game specifically being a, a really yeah. good example of that. Um, there was a pretty good piece by Ty Schalter at 538 a couple of years ago that actually looked at it the exact same way that you did, taking a look at win probability late in the game. I think five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Let's see if I can find it. He broke down, you know, how bad were the Lions really? And it turns out actually still quite bad. But, you know, he was a Lions <laughs> fan and he still wanted to find out, you know, how, how, how bad were the Lions really because of this one score thing. And he wanted to evaluate that Bill Barnwell can art about you know, one score games and stuff like that. So I'll send you the article. Maybe you can tweet out some insights from the uh, strategy or perspective or methodology that the Ty Schalter used. Yeah, if you unpack the one score stuff, that is a little bit of a paper tiger argument. And Matthew Collar did another piece in that vein where basically arrived at the conclusion that four of the nine were true coin flips that the Vikings won. And the other five, I think it was the other five, the Vikings actually had a higher than 60% chance to win in the fourth quarter. Um, but if you look at some of the other advanced metrics, like the Vikings are so historically anomalous. Yeah. Um, A-N-Y-A, or I like to say Enya, um, they are almost bottom of the barrel, if not Only bottom time. of the league. DVOA, the Vikings are the worst DVOA 10-2 and two team of all time. They have passed yeah. themselves of 2,000. <laughs> yeah. Which... Yeah, it was a great football me. outsiders piece. Yeah. Like, Maybe the yeah, second okay, worst were, nine and three team one. too, right? Yeah. They yeah, if you lump in yeah, the nine and three teams, the only other yeah. yeah, like they're still number two behind Cleveland <laughs> of twenty twenty, and uh the two thousand team is like sixth on that list. But isn't it funny to think that the two thousand like people on Twitter at that time, if it had it existed, could have argued that a team with Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Robert Smith and Dante Culpepper were frauds? Like, doesn't that seem like a weird yeah. argument to make? Imagine the victory lap you would take, or let's be realistic, that I would take in that scenario after 41 Donut. They stole the calls! <laughs> they tapped the radio! It wasn't their fault! <laughs> and I could totally see this Viking team getting 41 Donutted if they had to play on the road against the Eagles. Like, that definitely could yeah. happen. Um, but I just, I find that to be a funny comparison. Um, and by the way, that team, when they were 10 and two, six of their 10 wins were by one score and six of their first seven. So like when they were seven and oh, they had a lot of one score games. People were probably saying, Oh, the Vikings are the worst undefeated team ever. I could just hear the, the radio talk radio arguments, but, um, that was good. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the lions and then we'll gamble, and then we'll party foul, and then we will get out of here. Keys to victory. What is your number one key, Luke Braun, to beating these plucky Detroit Lions? So uh, they are on the precipice of a total disaster if what happened in the second half against the Jets happens again. They got to tackle, man. You got Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift coming to town, Amon Ra. These guys are good at getting yak in the open field, right? You got to be able to tackle them. There were some absolutely pathetic tackling attempts against the Jets. You you cannot let them be the team that fights and scrapes for every last yard and turns. You know you contact at two yards, but then they turn it into a six yard gain because you didn't get a good wrap up and you didn't get them down. They need to get back to basics in that way, especially with the secondary in the open field, and stop bad plays from becoming worse plays. Considering how good this Lions offense is, how bad this pass defense has been, I, 
we all expect they're going to get some plays. Um, you cannot let them turn into 60-yard catastrophes like what happened to the Jets. That has to be shored up right now. Yeah, I find it so mystifying how the Vikings are graded as high as they are on PFF. Like, their team defensive rank is sixth. And part of that is because we talked a couple weeks ago how they were second in run defense. And they still are second in run defense. And they're fifth in tackling. I don't understand, and it actually makes me question PFF quite a bit. How is this team sixth defensively? It makes no sense. PFF people, please help me understand. We're, we're already please. seeing the impact of the PFF layoffs. That's rough. That's rough. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's low. What? Are, no, they, are you on strike right now? I'm on. I'm oh on no, the you don't work. Side. You don't work for the athletic. I was going to say. Oh, fair enough. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, the solidarity and so on. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> he said enthusiastically. Very strong conviction in my Practice. labor politics. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't logged into the New York Times or the Athletic at all today. Although that was more an accident than solidarity. If I'm being 100 honest, keys to the game oh, today. So. Uh, I, I would, I was going to say, uh, hire Mike Zimmer, but I think Luke basically covered that, (laughs) you know, it was just, uh, you know, now that Mike Zimmer is confirmed, not going to be the defensive coordinator, uh, with Colorado, which I mean, that would have been so fun, right. You know, him being the defense coordinator for Deion Sanders. Um, now that that's not Mm -hmm. happening, he is still available and you still might be able to hire him, but I guess that's not going to happen. So we can talk about what the Vikings need to do on offense, which is, Get better at beating blitzes. I mean, it's related to the stat of the day, or sorry, the nerdy stat of the day. I want to get that right. Um, you need to get better at making sure that you have your hots, right? You need to make sure that when a blitz arrives, you've got somebody tagged to be able to catch that pass when it comes in. Now, having TJ Hawkinson is going to be helpful. The hot very often is the tight end, although in modern offenses, when you split tight ends out a lot, you know, that's not always going to be the case. Sometimes it's the running back. Sometimes it's the slot receiver. Sometimes it's the outside receiver. Very unusual the way NFL offenses work nowadays. But have them. Have your hots. Have somebody available to check to see if there's an inside blitzer and uh, cut the route short and be ready inside. Kirk was really great at hots, especially with Adam Thielen. There are some wor- worries with Stephon Diggs and how they saw the field. But, um, you know, Kirk was great at, at getting to his hots and getting out there quickly. You need to absolutely nail that against the Lions, right? Because um, this is probably going to be a track meet. What's the over-under? Like 51 or something like that? 52 um, and a half. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if that's the case... Uh, make sure that you don't waste a possession by taking, you know, a third down sack or a second down sack, and then you run like a third and 19 screen or something stupid, right? You you just cannot um, be behind the chains in a track meet like this, especially when the Vikings kind of rely a little bit more on rhythm than, uh, than previous iterations of this offense. So get your hots, beat your blitzes. Couple notes on the Lions. Remember when they played them the first time, the Ryans were running the ball at an absurd clip through two games. They had like three explosives over 50 yards. Needless to say, that's regressed a bit. In their last six, Mm -hmm. averaging 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, If the Vikings can continue that trend, that would be awfully helpful and make them a little more one-dimensional because I think Jared Goff is due to make some more mistakes. He's been very good at taking care of the ball, and maybe that's just who he is this year. He's like a smart quarterback that makes good decisions but no picks in the last four and he's actually got a better td to interception ratio than cousins he's 19 to 7 cousins is 18 to 9 so no picks through four for Goff. and the lions have really won a number of games during this stretch because of their defense's ability to take the ball away 
So if Kirk Cousins cannot make that seeming almost every week mistake that he's been making kind of this season, which is why it seems like he's he's regressed a little bit statistically. I mean, the Lions forced three ter- three red zone interceptions against Rodgers. That might not be in the sustainable category. <laughs> three turnovers against the Giants and a timely pick six against the Bears. Um, so just don't give them the ball, and I think you're going to be all right in this game. I think there's obviously a huge talent advantage for the Vikings if you don't give them the ball, and uh, and then I think the Vikings will be all right. But um, if the Lions get in those, again, manageable fourth downs, twice this year they've gone for it six times on fourth down. Like Dan Campbell will. And I think when you get to this point in the season, it becomes a every game is a kitchen sink game. Every game against a, like a contender becomes a kitchen sink game where you throw everything at them. You play a little more free and loose, more aggressively, and uh, that that should scare you a little bit. So if it's third and four, um, and you're the Vikings' defense, that's probably four down territory. That's probably four down territory against Detroit. So you're going to have to get some stops, and uh, I'm interested to see what happens. Um, should we gamble? Yeah, why not? These are the standings. Arif Hassan, you lead $648 and change after we started with a mythical thousand. Luke Braun and Luke Inman both went 0-2 last week. They are down to $200 and change. Braun, Braun, you've got 226, uh, narrowly in second place. I survived a crazy good beat which we talked about on monday but i got the commanders giants under because they tied um so i am only 733 dollars in the hole still just one good week from from digging out of that um hey i climbed I just, out of work now look where i am yes as did luke inman so i need to just regurgitate how even our overall records are like this is uncanny arif you are 9 and 15 braun you are 9 14 and 1 Inman is nine and fifteen. This is awful. I am nine fourteen and one. We are all about forty percent. That's so bad. No, worse than that. Oh my god. Nine out of twenty-four. So that would be three eighths. Thirty-eight percent. It's bad. It's horrible. Yeah, we're we're getting. That being said, all four of us are getting beaten by a dartboard. That's crazy. That being said, Arif, you begin this week. Minimum 140, maximum 1,400. Braun is next, then me, and I have Luke Inman's picks. Go ahead, Arif. I just want to point out, I'm not taking this. I'm not saying it's good or bad, because if it was good or bad, I would take one side or the other. I just wanted to point out, the Cowboys are favored by, like, 18 points, right? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> like not a college like a typo. Yeah. yeah, they're favored by 18 points against the Texans. And here's the thing. The over-under is only 44, right? <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> they don't expect the Texans to score oh God, anything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of you two can take that one way or the other. I have no idea what to think of that. That's wild to me. But um, I like uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, which I believe they play today, right? It's the Raiders-Rams. Um, minus 6.5 at minus 113, right? Uh, because I have no idea who's going to play quarterback. Um and, and that feels like a bad plan to not have someone at quarterback. Now, I don't think the Raiders are getting Darren Waller back for this game, but uh, I think they've got enough weapons to be able to pull out a touchdown win over the Rams, who have nothing left to play for and basically have signaled that. So, um, yeah, I'll take the Raiders minus six and a half. The amount I'm going to put in, what's the minimum? 140 right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll put in 150. 
I am seeing LA minus one ten. Has... Oh, you're seeing minus one ten? Yeah, even better. Yeah. Okay. LA still has a stronger Raiders contingent than Rams contingent. You see that in your Chargers Raiders game in LA. So that is going to be a Raiders home game. Yeah. I'm going bold today. Lucas. We've had some trouble on this show betting on Jaguars games. Oh. So oh, no. I am going to bet against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm looking at bet online <laughs> right now. Tennessee Titans at home, minus four, minus 110. Nissan Stadium has been a house of horrors for the Jaguars over the last several years. And because I cannot afford to go 0-2 without going into the red and getting a punishment, I might as well go. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose big. I'm going with the maximum, 1,400 Titans minus four. Ah, there it is. I had no idea we had there a maximum. Yes. You've yes. never come close to approaching it, except when you were in the hole. That's great. All <laughs> I right. I think you did say once it. you bet the maximum. <laughs> well, I just I just took an amount. I guess that was the maximum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 1,400 Titans minus four. Let's get it. Jags are like two and eight All against right. the spread this year. All right. Go Jaguars. <laughs> I am going to fade Deshaun Watson and the Browns because karma and take the Bengals minus five and a half. Is anyone looking at the exact odds? Uh, I thought it was minus 113 as well, but because that was going to be my second minus 110. That was that was going to yeah. be my uh, yep. my 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 second choice, but I got to pick first. So I didn't have to worry about that. All right. I'm going to stick an even grand on that game. And then we've got Luke Inman on the crossover. So Luke sent in Jets plus nine and a half they're taking on the bills i'm actually seeing plus 10 so he gets an a critical half point uh Ooh, yeah. jets plus 10 minus 110 and he's putting 250 on it and then the second pick in the crossover over under steelers ravens he's taken an absurd under here under 36 oh and a half yeah yeah at minus one. I mean, I, I don't trust wow. Tyler Huntley either. I get it. I get it. I don't trust Kenny Pickett. I don't trust Tyler Huntley. I don't trust either of their running games. That makes sense to me. But I got burned on the Steelers on over is, last week. Yeah. yeah. Six three Steelers, right? That's what's that's how the game's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> I need an over under. And I'm gonna keep fading the Giants in the form of an over-under. So I, I succeeded by the skin of my teeth last week with this strategy. <laughs> and I'm I'm just assuming that the Giants are not going to score and that the Eagles will get up early and then just shut it down and win like 27 to 3. So Eagles, Giants, under, at last check it was 45. It is 44 and a half. That's okay. I still have faith at minus 110 for 1,000. Oof. All right. Um, I'm taking the Vikings over. The Vikings over? defense sucks. Yeah, over 52. Let's go. It's going to be a track meet. Both teams are going to be All in right. the 30s. I'm gonna, 51 and a half now. A, oh, 50. Great. It just changed. All right. Even better for you. Yep. And I'll put, I'll put like 200 on it. All right. Well, we'll see which which uh, whether you get the big one. 
That one's not going to have a huge impact on you if you get the uh, if you lose the Titans. Yeah, no, I'm putting it all in the in the one bet yeah. instead of having to go two and zero to not lose a bunch of money. I will Brief. not be intimidated by the lamb behind me. I am not going to let those giant bets intimidate me because you're a follower. You're not a leader. You're a lamb. Um, I thought this was going to be a Cowboys joke. No. I don't even have the Cowboys on my sheet. Why would I do that? I already told you I wasn't going to take the Cowboys. As in, Call me a liar? I am comma CD. Never mind. No, I know. Um, okay. The two overrunners I have in my, my, my book right now are uh, Patriots uh, Cardinals my, uh, under uh, 44 and uh, Buccaneers 49ers under 37 and a half, right? Um, I like both of them for a lot of reasons, but man... I just don't trust Brock Purdy. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is absolutely underrated. Absolutely underrated. I don't trust Brock Purdy. Um, and Tom Brady is, like, not good, despite what just happened. I think Ron Johnson was right to complain about people crowning him. So in that spirit, I'll take the under 37.5 minus 110, unless the odds have changed since I wrote, I wrote it down. Um, $150. And that's it. The email's been sent. We'll see if Arif can hold on to his lead down to the final five games of the season. We're not going to even come close to 500 in our picks, which just goes to show it's all about when you make the big bet. All about when you make the big bet. Uh, we'll see who comes out on top. I still feel like I'm right in the thick of things. I, I, tr I really have faith that I'm going to come through here. This is the week. Yeah, Lions think the, the same thing. <laughs> in the hunt. In and the now hunt. I'm crushed. <laughs> let's finish up the show with party fouls let's run it it's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa get ready for this week's party foul how about this monday night football saints bucks saints lead at 16 to 3 mark ingram takes a pass in the flat and inexplicably runs out of bounds inches shy of the first down line for no reason at all. He's staring at the stick. He could have run one yard further up the sideline. He could have reached the ball out. He runs out of bounds shy of the line to gain. Third and inches, they fail. They punt. They lose. Party foul, Mark Ingram. You're a veteran, dude. Get a first down. Reminds me of uh, Marion Barber III, rest in peace, against the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow back in 2011. Oof. That's the what first thing I thought of when that happened. Yeah. What a pull. It's, it's on his Wikipedia page, man. Like, oh. that's rough. Yeah. They should, that's they a should, legacy I mean, the, guy's, the guy's dead. They should delete that, man. That's rough. The first thing I think of when I think of Marion Barber is the, like, insane two-yard run. Yeah. Yeah. Like the coolest two-yard run of all time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, is it me or Luke? I don't know. It should be Luke. Sure. Uh, I'm going to give it to Jalen Rager, who guaranteed a win against the Lions. What are you doing, man? Have you never faced God before? Come on. I get. I love the bluster, right? I love the uh, the the like confidence. Get out there, say you know, know you're the best. That's the way you got to be in the NFL. But don't guarantee a win. 
the last guarantee <laughs> that I can recall from the Vikings locker room was Everson Griffin, and I think it was the Lions, and I think it was 2015. I think it was coming off the loss at San Francisco to start the year. I think Griffin guaranteed a win the next week. And they got it. I think that was it. That, that so was, maybe that against was Detroit, about everything to lose. The guarantee yeah, that was, that was, you're immune from, from karma biting you there. Yeah, That was less about the Lions and more about the Vikings getting right. I think was that what it was about, if I remember that. Um, my party foul is on Dan Snyder. Hey, look at that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's why I said I should go last. So, uh, the House <laughs> Oversight Committee, uh, just released a 79-page report detailing their conclusion to the investigation into the toxic workplace, workplace culture, uh, into, uh, the Washington Commander's, uh, team facility. Uh, Dan Snyder is heavily, heavily, heavily implicated. Not only um, did they allege basically that he was a lying about being a hands-off owner, which I think everybody kind of already had that understanding, um, but also uh, that he not only was aware of and permitted the toxic workplace culture, but actively participated himself in the harassment. There are a number of other allegations in the report. The NFL is implicated for helping cover them up. Uh, the... Um, uh, Dan Snyder's lawyers are implicated for uh, attempting to intimidate and harass witnesses as well as pay witnesses off. Um, just nobody comes out looking good except according to the alternate uh, report released by the Republicans, because this is a Democratic-led House, uh, Jeff Bezos. Apparently, according to Dan Snyder and the GOP, this is all a ploy to get Dan Snyder out of there and Jeff Bezos in there. Personally, I don't know, they're billionaires. They, no one, no one's going to be a good owner, but whatever. I'm still That's waiting for Kirk Cousins, Cousins' name to pop up in some of these reports. Like, right? Kirk Cousins was out of control in his time with Washington. <laughs> he and Dan Snyder were, you know. They were having, colluding. They were, <laughs> yeah. Kirk Cousins lining up sex boat operations in, uh, in the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. Yeah, haven't it hasn't come out yet? That's because that's just because how good Kirk Cousins is. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you 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 load your most contentious ammo at the very end so that people keep on paying attention to every additional release. Anyway, Correct. plug plug plug. My thoughts on that over at ProFootballNetwork.com. Visit. What a tease! Yeah, and that's it. That's the football party for today. Um, check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube now, you can also get us on the podcast. So if you're going in the car, you've got a holiday trip, you can listen to us. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It is endless Vikings talk from local experts. He's Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, Luke Braun, Locked on Vikings, and I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked on Sports Minnesota. Luke Edman should join us next time, and uh, we'll talk Lions next Monday and Thursday on the Minnesota Football Party. So long. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.